Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Now, we all love a good fiction story every now and then. We love one that has just enough truth included to make it plausible, but yet keep us entertained and wondering what happens next. You know, when I can interview an author who has also included some elements of faith in the story too, well, I can't resist. Amen. And Terry Brown is a self-described Air Force brat now living in North Carolina. In 2020, during the height of the COVID pandemic, she and her husband, Bruce, decided to take a, a bike ride through the countryside one day. And when I say countryside, they rode their tandem bicycle from the Oregon Pacific coastline and ended up at the Iwo Jima Memorial in Washington, D.C., over 3,100 miles later. Praise God. Terry is the author of Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, a historical fiction that is set in the Ukraine. Little did she know when she started writing this book that the inspiration for the writing and publishing of her book was all part of God's plan to have it published right now, in light of what we see happening in the Ukraine. Amen? Sunflowers Beneath the Snow covers three generations of women struggling to survive after the betrayal of one Ukrainian rebel. The rebel was the husband and father, and the three women, the wife, the mother, daughter, eventually the granddaughter. I don't want to give away the plot, as that'll be part of our discussion today, but help me welcome to the program, Terry Brown. Terry, thank you for taking the time already busy schedule to join us today. I've been looking forward to this interview. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Amen. Now, first question I usually ask, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Terry Brown? Oh, that's a that's an evolving question. I don't have a great answer for that. But currently, currently, Terry Brown is an author. So I have actually been writing since 2000, but I was writing for small businesses. And I was afraid to write novels um, because that's putting a lot of your heart and soul out there for people to to like digest and potentially reject. And I just couldn't handle the thought of someone not loving the characters that I wrote. Um, I was also at the time living in an emotionally abusive relationship and I just didn't have the belief system in myself anymore that I could be anyone or do anything. And so I was writing nonfiction and, and I mean, that went well and I enjoyed that, but I finally got out of that really horrific relationship in 2017 and started writing non of uh, my fiction. And the first thing that I wrote really was pretty terrible when you think about it. I mean, like I would never show it to anyone, but It was 50,000 words that I was able to get out of my head and onto paper in one week. Holy cow. And I said, 
I do have that ability. Now I just have to hone it. You know, it's kind of like no, no painter would ever show you their very first painting because, you know, who knows what that looks like. And I think it's the same thing with writers. But since 2017, I've now been writing and I have several manuscripts in various stages of, of completeness. Um, and then Sunflowers Beneath the Snow is my debut novel. And then I've just had another one, An Enemy Like Me, that has been accepted by a publisher. And hopefully it'll come out in early 2023. Amen. Amen. Because this book is actually your fourth or fifth book that you've written, but the first one to be correct. published, correct? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. You you never get those first ones out there. They're, they're all of the mistakes you don't want anyone to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, your background, you mentioned, you know, 14 years survivor of abusive relationship. Is that what mm-hmm. led you to start writing sort of a, like a healing type of journaling or something like that? Well, do you know what's interesting is I wanted to be a writer as a child. That was one of my, now, of course, I also wanted to be a brain surgeon and an Olympic ice skater. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt, but I always had that desire to write. And as a child, especially like as a teenager, you know, like whenever a boy would break up with you and I would write the poetry, you know, I was very typical, you know, teen girl. Um, I have always kept a journal where I've tried to write down things that, that, you know, touched me or meant something to me. Um, But while in that relationship, I pretty much did no writing except for working with small businesses. And that was merely to keep food on the table. I didn't, I, I no longer had any real belief in myself at all. And I really wasn't even journaling much. And I think part of that was, is I didn't even want to admit to myself how bad things were. Mm, you know, you, you get in this situation and you just want to pretend, you know, and I was pretending with everyone around me. Um, I had limited the number of friends that I had. I had limited interactions with extended family because it was easier than trying to somehow fix whatever they might see. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, when, when you're in an abusive relationship, you usually have some line in the sand that you've drawn that if this this particular thing ever happens. And unfortunately, that line is usually really far away. Like they're going to have to do something like crazy. And that's where my line was. And thankfully, and I say thankfully, he did the crazy. Mm. And that gave me kind of permission in my own head to say, I am done with this. Mm-hmm. I am yeah. done. Yeah. and. I left and immediately I wanted to write. And so I think maybe the writing was for me, helping me to discover myself again and helping me to kind of heal. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that, that just comes up and bubbles to the surface. I'm sure in your work, you've dealt with, with other people who've been in these kinds of relationships. And just because you leave the relationship doesn't mean that you immediately become whole and healthy, right? It takes a long time to find yourself again. And I put a lot of myself and my feelings into my characters. And I think it kind of helped me put it out on paper and see things and make connections in my own head because you can't help but discover yourself as you're writing your characters, or at least for me. Right. Uh, how did you get started writing in fiction instead of, you know, like 
cookbooks or you know <laughs> geological formations you've seen and stuff like that what led you to write about fiction I, and specifically what about the ukraine okay so what started in fiction was i had been given an opportunity and this was this was right before i got out of that relationship where i had heard of this short story contest and i had written a beautiful short story about my grandfather so it was it was more of a memoir type story but it won Mm, And that was very exciting to me. But it was like, as soon as that happened, these characters, I have characters in my head and no, I don't need to be medicated. Um, But I have these characters started talking and it was like, you've, you know, you've got to get this out. My very first character that I wrote about uh, was a homeless teenager. And, And so it was just, she was there in my head and I needed to tell this story. So I did. What happened with the Ukraine story is absolutely, well, you talk about everybody being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I don't believe in coincidences. I always believe that God's hand is in all things and that that sometimes it feels coincidental. But when you step back and you see the whole picture, you recognize that you were just a tiny cog in this great, Mm -hmm. big, you know, great, big plan. Um, My daughters always go to camp. they went to a Girl Scout camp, but they later went as camp counselors. And while camp counselors, they would meet international counselors that would come over for a summer program. And one of the girls was Ukrainian, and she came in 2013. And then she came again in 2014 and couldn't go home. Because in 2014, in August, is when Russia invaded the Crimean Mm -hmm. Peninsula. Yeah, That's That's exactly where her family lived. They had been displaced. There were no flights in or out. And she ended up staying in the United States. Mm. Um, In fact, to this day, she's still here. She's never seen her family again. Can you imagine? You come here as an 18 or 19-year-old kid, and you think you're coming for a summer. Um. In 2016, so I'm still in this abusive relationship, she came to visit my daughter uh, for her birthday and said, was in my office, and she was telling me this incredible story of something that happened to her in New York. And I'm thinking, this can't be true. This, we must be having a communication barrier because, you know, she's Ukrainian and she has a very thick Ukrainian accent. And though she has a good command of the English language, I was sure that we were like, there's no way. So I repeated what I thought I heard from her as she's nodding yes to everything that we, that I said. And I thought, oh my gosh, that needs to be a movie or a book. Like Mm. that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And then I put that aside because of course that can't be me. (laughs) Two years later, I'm now out of that relationship. I am now dating someone and it is a good relationship and it's one where i feel very secure and and you know he's he's helping me to see what what relationships really are supposed to look like and he i'm telling him the story and he said you've got to write that mm-hmm. and I, my answer was not me like i can't write that and he said yes you've got to write that so i did and that was in 2018 Well, I was terrified. I'm not going to send it to anyone because 
I still don't feel like I'm any good, you know, and, and I don't think it had as much to do with, oh, well, I'm a new writer as it did. I still have all kinds of junk that I'm, I'm pulling along. So that's where this ride comes in. Uh, My now husband, Bruce, uh, is an avid cyclist. He also is like one of these adventure people. He's done triathlons and marathons and mm. hang gliding and you name it. <laughs> this guy's done it. And I'm a desk jockey. Okay. So like I sit here at my desk and I do my little things. And and though I like to be active, like walking along the beach, I'm not adventurous. Okay. He tells me, but just to kind of go back during that those early few months of getting out of that bad relationship, I kept thinking, who am I? Mm. And I want to do something really big, like, like incredible that my children would say, no way you can't do that. It's not even possible. Um, And I was even thinking maybe like walk the Appalachian trail or do something, you know, phenomenal. So now fast forward, he and I are dating and he brings up the fact that he's always wanted to ride across the United States on a bicycle. And I'm like, wow, like that's an adventure. And so I said to him, is this something that you're going to talk about forever and die wishing you had done? Or are you actually planning to do it? And he said, no, I really want to do it. And I said, then count me in. So we started training on the tandem bicycle. And in the summer of 2020, COVID came and almost destroyed the dream. But we went anyway. We rode 3,102 miles across the United States from from coast to coast on a tandem bicycle. So I tell everyone I've seen the United States at 10 miles an hour. And (laughs) in that time, I healed. I learned a lot about myself. I became confident and capable. And when we came back from that trip, I sent the manuscript to a publisher who accepted it. And there's where the story is. But what's really crazy is I had two manuscripts and this, the one that is now going to be my second book is the one that I wanted to put out Mm. because it has a little bit of family connection. And I felt very strongly that this was my first novel. And every time I got it ready to go, I couldn't do it. Mm. Something was wrong. But the Ukrainian manuscript that didn't have a name, that wasn't even really complete, that still needed quite a bit of work, I had no problem sending it, which is just crazy because it's not the one I wanted to send. And I sent it. (laughs) It was accepted. And then it came out three weeks before Russia invaded again. So the timing is phenomenal and obviously not mine. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow. Tell us about the plot for the book. So yeah, the, the plot, it's very much historical fiction and it follows three generations of Ukrainian women. The oldest generation, we're just going to call her grandma to keep things, you know, straight in our head. Grandma is married to a rebel and doesn't know it. He gets caught. He gets compromised essentially and is given the option of, Hey, we're going to have to kill you or we can get you out of here, but we can't, let you just keep doing what you're doing. And so he chooses get out of there, but get out of there meant he had to leave his wife and child behind. Mm. 
So he does. And now we follow the women and how that one decision of his affects these three generations of women. And we follow them through Soviet Ukraine, early independence Ukraine, and then into that um, Russia invasion in 2014 and then just a little beyond. Um, the whole thing is is fiction except for that tiny little story that my friend Xenia told me. Mm. And so I tell everyone that I wrote 82,000 words of fiction so that I could tell three pages of truth. <laughs> Amen. But it has an element of truth to it. It does. Well, yeah. and it does. And, and because it's historical fiction, there's really quite a lot of elements of truth to it because I firmly believe that when you're writing historical fiction, that you have to be as true to the history as possible. So the only things that are fictitious are things that my characters are doing, but the setting that they're in and the kinds of things they experience are very true to that time period. Mm -hmm. So when you're done reading this book, you do have a really good sense of a lot of what Ukrainian people have been through. Mm -hmm. And I think that that gives a lot of empathy. Amen. You know, a lot of us don't know anyone in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and so the situation that we see there, though we feel and we say, oh, that's bad, we kind of see it as this thing that is happening to this group of people. Mm -hmm. But if you knew someone there, then the empathy that you have changes com considerably. So I'm hoping that even though it's fictitious, that people will come to, I don't know, like have friends there. And feel about it differently, because I firmly believe that the only way that we're ever going to get rid of war and hatred is through empathy and compassion. Yeah. And I think that historical fiction can do that for people. It can mm -hmm. offer them a perspective that they wouldn't otherwise see. Right. Yeah. Amen. How did you come up with the characters, you know, the family for your book? Were, were they based off people, you know? Um, you know, it's interesting. There's a little bit of myself in it in all three of the women, because that's just the way I write. Um, there's some of my mom, there's some of my daughters, uh, there's people that I've known. Like if, if you know me well and you read the book, you might see yourself somewhere. And and it's because I do, I kind of like I collect traits, you know, like people collect stamps and coins, you know, like I collect little stories and traits and things. And then as I'm creating a character, these different pieces just seem to come together. Mm -hmm. Um my writing process, I don't know how other people write, and I, I've quit worrying whether my process is correct or not because it works for me, yeah. but I, I call myself a binge writer, and um, you know, I might go weeks with nothing coming out on paper, but there's stuff going on in my head, and then I'll get this opportunity to write for three or four days, five or six days. And then I write and I write and I write and I write. And all of those things that have been swirling around in my head just seem to come together. And it's amazing. I'll write something in and then, you know, 50 pages later, it'll be like, oh, I can use that little piece to do this. And then off <laughs> I go onto this next. It's it's really Amen. crazy the way that works. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How did how did you do all the research, you know, on the language and the customs and the food and, and, and preparation for writing the book? So I started out 
with a really broad, broad overview, you know, kind of like an encyclopedia kind of, of overview, because I knew nothing about Ukraine. I had three facts that I knew. Ukraine had been part of the Soviet Union. Ukraine had become independent. And this and Russia had invaded in 2014. That's it. I knew nothing else. Nothing else. So yeah, I was like I was like a person with a blank slate. So I started out with this really broad overview. And I actually, though my story started in 1973, I kind of went back well into the 1800s to understand what is the relationship between Russia and Ukraine. And anyone who's done any research at all will tell you that this relationship, what's going on today, is not new. Right. And it's not even 20th century new or 19th century new. This is this is generations upon generations upon generations where there has been, you know, fighting over where does the boundary go? You know, like yeah. who's yeah. who? Who's who? Um, so I did a lot of research so that I could understand that. Then I created a timeline of like Ukrainian events, things that happened, and then kind of put that along with some world events so that I had a feeling like what's okay. going on where. Mm -hmm. And then I just started writing. And then when I would get to a, a section like, okay, so I'm in 1991 and I have my character standing in a bread line. Well, I looked up 1991, Ukraine, and then just started trying to find what's going on. Well, I found out it was one of the worst winters, mm. was the one of the coldest on record, and they had fuel shortages and food shortages. So I wrote that into the story because my thought was, is anyone in 1991 who was standing in a food line would have had trouble getting food and they would have trouble being warm. Obviously, if they don't have fuel and they don't have food and it's a cold winter. And so I was able to use those facts. You know, where is my character now? Yeah. What's going on then? The other thing that I did was because although it's historical fiction, which just really makes me feel extraordinarily old, because apparently <laughs> anything in the 70s is considered historical. And it's like, oh, great, yeah. I must be a dinosaur. So I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but people, there are still a lot of people who've lived in Soviet bloc country who are alive and well and, and, and talking about it. And so I got on several of these discussion boards and just asked people, so what was your experience like? And listened. And you heard a lot of, of stories of deprivation of, you know, misery, but the thing that I tried to pull out in my book is that despite that, people are resilient and they still have hope and they still get married and they still have children and they still live lives and they still are happy and they have customs and traditions. And so there's that whole other side. And that's what I tried to bring out in this book is that despite all of the misery that these women were still flourishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. That's all the time we have for today in this great interview with Terry Brown, author of Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. I've been blessed by today's portion of the interview. I know you have as well. But today was only part one 
of what turned out to be a great three-part interview. Praise God. I guarantee that the information Terry's sharing just gets better. And wait till we hit part three. Oh man, I got a surprise for you. We had a great conversation. So I know you'll want to come back in the next episode for part two and then after that part three. Now, before we go, I want to urge you to drop down into the show notes, click the links right there to get in touch with Terry and to order one or more of her books, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. And be sure to come back for part two in the next episode. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.